This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Michael Crowder, President of the National Association of Conservation Districts. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. Learn how a strong U.S. sugar policy supports a sustainable and efficient sugar supply chain at sugaralliance.org. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with NACD's Michael Crowder, next. America's sugar farming families and workers are proud to say that our sugar is made in America. The U.S. sugar industry supplies America with affordable sugar and provides good jobs in communities across the country. A new study from the Agriculture and Food Policy Center at Texas A&M found that the U.S. sugar industry supports more than 151,000 jobs and contributes more than $23 billion to the economy each year. America's sweetest industry is supported by a sugar policy that costs taxpayers nothing. Learn more about how a strong U.S. sugar policy supports a sustainable and efficient sugar supply chain by visiting SugarAlliance.org. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. For over 75 years, farmers and ranchers across the nation through their local conservation districts have employed soil stewardship practices to preserve natural resources and improve the productivity of their land. Washington State Farmer and President of the National Association of Conservation Districts, Michael Crowder, says it's gratifying to see Washington leadership identify the work of conservation districts as a solution for climate change. Crowder says there's a paradigm shift in D.C. Everybody's come for conservation in the past, and not just the last couple farm bills, but for many farm bills in a row to make ends meet in ag. But now with the Inflation Reduction Act and discussions on Farm Bill, conservation is no longer the whipping child of where you're going to find excess funds. And and we're proud of that. We work very hard to make sure that conservation is in the forefront of agriculture because it's very important. Do we risk the mission of conservation programs, of NACD, to try and satisfy calls for sustainable intensification or carbon sequestration in relationship to climate and climate change? Well, I I would look at it slightly different, is that NACD has worked for 76 years on conservation work, and you can call that another thing, climate-smart agriculture. That conservation is climate-smart agriculture. So when when you're looking at cover crops and reduced tillage and and other factors like, like that, that's what we've been working on, Jeff, for 75-plus years. If, if you could fast-forward 75 years, we would look like we were in ancient times right, right now. You know, our, our grandfathers moldboard plowed, and they disc and disc and disc and cleaned up the field because they didn't have the chemistries that we have now, and they didn't have the knowledge of soil health, carbon sequestration, and others. So if you fast-forward 50 years, it's going to look totally different. We'll probably have different genetics, different plants. We'll be still growing corn, but hopefully we'll be in the 500-bushel range. So you just can't compare that long ago to now because we will continually evolve in in our chemistries, in our breeding programs, and in our research and on... Uh, soil health. But from 75 years ago to today and 75 years in the future, will the mission change? 
I would say the mission is always going to be soil health, clean water, water quantity. The mission won't change, but how we get there will certainly change as we learn more. We look, we look back on what we've learned from mistakes in the past. So certainly the mission will be similar. Uh, NACD's mission is locally led incentive-based con- conservation. And that will be our mission 75 years from now. But how we accomplish that will most likely be drastically different than it is right now. But have you accomplished your mission over the past seven and a half decades by a one-size-fits-all approach or mandatory controls over producers and land? Well, of course not. You, You take my area in eastern Washington state. We get six inches of rain. Last year, we were in the low 120s. Your guest last week, Nicole Berg, with the National Association of Wheat Growers, was talking about getting three and five bushels an acre. That can't be the same as what I have. I'm in Arkansas today. You can't have the same in Arkansas and eastern Washington, and you can't have the same as Guam and Vermont. So you, you can have big government programs, but you've got to have that local control, that local ideas about how you implement those, those big conservation programs. Source, the topic uh, of uh, much discussion last week, and even as we wrapped up the congressional calendar, was the NRA legislation. Senator Bozeman was concerned with writing farm policy outside of the agriculture committees and in reconciliation. And on our Newsmaker program last week, uh, Spencer Chase, uh, Illinois Representative Rodney Davis mused that if those funds were to come through for conservation, then it might mean less interest in the new Congress in writing a farm bill if that was to be addressed. How do you how do you see this reconciliation legislation toward conservation and the process ahead for new farm policy? Well, the Inflation Reduction Act is historic funding. If passed, it's historic funding for conservation. You're talking eighteen billion dollars for farm conservation programs through the Farm Bill that currently are awarded at thirty percent. So 70% of applicants for EQIP and CSP have to be turned away because there's not enough money. So we can use this money. I say that and recognize that this came with a 51 to 50 vote down party lines. And I'm, I'm in Arkansas right now, and I talked to Senator Bozeman this morning, and he shared with me that his concern is on the farm bill discussions. It's, it's, it's in the historically been a bipartisan discussion. So when you have this reconciliation with these historic funds that are great for producers and great for conservation districts, but there is a concern as you, as you go forward on how that is treated in the 2023 Farm Bill. So my stance as president of NACD is this is fantastic for the work we do. But we recognize that there's there's some that aren't going to be happy about that, and we're going to work with both sides of the aisle as we go down this road with the 2023 Farm Bill. But recognizing Congressman Davis' comments, if Congress were to say, well, we address confirmation and we'll just kick the can on the Farm Bill, is that adequate? I don't think so. You know, he certainly knows more about that than I do. But I can tell you it's such a strong program, urban, rural, Everybody 
in the country in some way or another is affected by the farm bill, if they're producers or, or food stamps or if you buy food at the grocery store, everybody is affected by the farm bill. So you've been around a long time. You, you know that some farm bills get kicked down the road, and, and that may happen. We hope not. But we, we think that uh, this could be a baseline funding and be rolled into the farm bill. Um, it's just too many unknowns at this point to know what's going to happen uh, if this is passed and as we move forward down down the road. And, and we recognize this is outside of the, of the norms for how you're funding ag work. So let's talk out loud a, a little bit about this, knowing that at the time of our conversation we don't have full details. But the Congressional Research Office in advance suggested the RA bill would have $19.5 billion for ag conservation and $18 billion for existing farm bill conservation programs. So with that, uh, we've been here before with legislation being considered and then ultimately regulations that bring it in, into play. What are the what's the fine print? What are the details that need to be worked out so that you and other farmers and, and conservation districts across the country know exactly what you've received? So one thing I would point out is that there's a billion dollars for conservation technical assistance also, and, and that's important because that's the funds that NRCS uses to support salaries and expenses for NRCS. They write the conservation plans, and that's how they get the boots on the ground. That's how they do work with conservation districts. So that billion dollars is going to play a huge role in being able to put this money on onto the ground so we can get that done. I, I just was able to talk to Chief Cosby earlier today, and, you know, they're planning for that. They're, they're, they want to be ready and not be able to put the, the work on the ground. So we have to streamline the processes that, that producers use to apply and are approved and make sure that we use this billion dollars in conservation technical assistance to put this $18, $19 billion on the ground over the, the next four years. So, That's a big challenge, but I, I feel like we're up to that challenge. All right, so from your perspective as president of NACD and your conversation with Chief Crosby, then then would you say or how can you comment, are these funds, a billion dollars plus what's there, are they adequate for technical assistance? Or is their staff and technology adequate to meet the needs of of, of application of these dollars? Well, I'm certainly not going to speak for Chief Cosby on that. I'll I'll speak for NACD is that we need more boots on the ground. We have right now NRCS has 10,600-ish employees. They have a cap at 11,700, and uh, districts have thousands of folks across the nation. But we need more. We have to make sure we staff up. And we're able to have the boots on the ground to put this, this money on the ground to be successful. Okay, so I would, I would suggest that approval would have come from, uh, those who believe that conservation efforts will bring climate results. Do you think today that we have the means to verify and justify additional spending on conservation? That's a tough question. I will tell you there's a lot of people smarter than me working on carbon sequestration and other means to measure the success. I will tell you my goal is to help producers have cleaner water, more water, irrigation efficiencies, whatever that may be, through the 165 practices that are already there. I know there's a lot of companies 
that are looking at carbon sequestration and their people that are buying their products, it's important to them. So if we can use that and put that money towards farmers, uh, if it's cover crops or whatever it may be, Jeff, whatever program that these private or government entities are, are doing, if that puts more money in their bank account and also helps the environment, that's a win-win. So with the additional funds, let's think out loud. We're talking about uh, assistance or at least uh, finances toward existing conservation programs. So from your perspective, what is existing that is going to work well with this dual-purpose role? Well, EQIP, CSP, RCPP, you know, uh, sorry, the acronyms, Environmental Quality Incentive Program, Regional Conservation Partnership Program and Conservation Stewardship Program. These are all underfunded. So we can use farm bill dollars and this um, IRA money to put more conservation on on the ground. And as we're going through the 2023 farm bill, I I know for a fact that there's going to be discussions on how you can combine that work in in the future. We just we just don't know yet where that's going to where those discussions are going to land. I understand. You have experience in farming on the east side of the Mississippi, and then you also reside now and farm a large number of acres in that arid uh, area of, of Washington State. So, looking ahead, if we're going to develop conservation programs for the nation's producers to participate regardless of of soil type or climate what are the things that we need to consider now we're going to talk about your farm bill principles but as you have your own experience with that and others are in that same situation uh, what are things that you would like to see or that that washington should discuss we being nacd we're we're constantly preaching that locally led voluntary incentive based so what is in my my family's farm in Indiana will be different than than in Washington, but when we when you're talking about what's in that toolbox, um, CSP and Equip are going to work in in all circumstances in the U.S. It's just going to be implemented in a little bit different different way. Some states are more uh, they use CSP at a higher rate than Equip, but but they are used all across the nation. Your grandfather and mine were big on moldboard plows and disc, and we saw the change, uh, as you mentioned before, uh, in technology on the farm as we developed pre- and post-emergence herbicides to be able to control weeds and were able to protect the soil. But I want to ask the Michael Crowder, the farmer, as opposed to the president of NACD, if I can, uh, there is discussion now not necessarily about research, but there's discussion with the EPA about taking away some of the tools that you and other farmers use that enables you to to afford conservation tillage and minimum tillage uh, and and protecting the soil without tillage. What are your thoughts? Well, it, it's it's really vital that we have the tools in the toolbox to be able to do climate smart agriculture. Uh, in the past, they they didn't have Roundup, so they couldn't couldn't kill the weeds that that needed to be. So they they um, ran that moldboard plow and they ran the the rototiller through it and whatever that was to control those weeds. 
So you have the discussion of Roundup, you have the discussion of dicamba, and now atrazine and and others. Um, as we are in favor of having those tools for farmers and not taking products off the market and not leaving farmers without the tool to control their weeds or their pest or whatever that may be. Um, sometimes there's products that are newer, better, safer, and if they can take the place, then fantastic. We're, we're all for that. But if there's no way to do that, it's a struggle for farmers. And, you know, adding on just the EPA taking some stuff away, Jeff, it's hard. It's hard to buy Roundup. It's hard to buy other products. We have issues in, in the supply chain, right? right now so it's all those tools aren't there for all the farmers and if you if you can get them they can be really expensive well and tongue-in-cheek michael it was les nesman on wkrp in cincinnati the show that (laughs) that bragged about winning the silver sow award and i note (laughs) that you have received the wood duck award and the silver mallard award from ducks unlimited and it wasn't too long ago you know that that Adam Putnam was here, the CEO of Ducks Unlimited. How important are sportsmen and other environmental groups partnering with agriculture, partnering with NACD to get a farm bill across the uh, across the, the the goal line? I would say it's very important. You know, Adam Putnam, the CEO of Ducks Unlimited, he's a friend of mine, and uh, he was up at the ranch uh, duck hunting with me last year, and and I listened to to his interview and. A lot of places in there, if you would have taken his comments, it would go under my name. That's that's how close some of the conservation groups are. And I have worked quite extensively with Ducks Unlimited and their staff on their, their farm bill ask. And, and we certainly aren't going to agree everywhere, and that's okay. Uh, we work with National Wild Turkey Federation, and, and, you know, you can either call them hook and bullets or fur and feather or whatever you want to call them. We call them conservationists, and, and we, want, we want to work with those groups. We want to work with our commodity groups, but um, we have a lot in common with, with Ducks Unlimited and Turkey and, and other groups of, of where we would like to see the farm bill end. Now, again, we're not going to agree all the time, but we're going to agree most of the time. So let's move to another area. NACD has developed Farm Bill principles. What was the process that you went about with those, and and what are the means now that you impress these principles on those who will be writing policy? Yeah, so I called a Farm Bill Task Force uh, last year, and it's represented by core partners and each region of NACD, so each region of, of the U.S. And, and the territories. And we got together and we talked about the farm programs of EQIP, CSP, CRP, others that at a very high level, a 30,000-foot level, what do we like about them and what do we think we might need to change. So we haven't got into that part, so we wanted to get these high-level principles like our principle number one, our locally led voluntary incentive based conservation model. That, that is probably going to be our all, our number one principle. So we discussed, are we for increased conservation title funding or are we going to be satisfied with the 2018 farm bill? And after a lot of discussion, we, uh, we decided we wanted to work on increasing, uh, 
Title II conservation funding. And as you've probably heard a lot, and we're hearing from from Capitol Hill, don't expect new funding. But we're 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 going to be working on that. Well, the uh, IRA legislation then might be a means that would have helped you accomplish that purpose even before discussion on the 23 Farm Bill has in earnest begun. You're correct, and, and that <laughs> this has come up just in the last couple of weeks. So when we were discussing high-level principles, that wasn't in the discussions. Um, other principles, Jeff, that we talked about are diversity, equity, inclusion, and underserved, and making sure that uh, people that didn't always have access to Farm Bill programs to make sure that they do have access. And there's issues like heirs' property signatures to where – um, you know, black farmers in the southeast and tribal members and Pacific Islanders and other low-income, traditionally underserved populations, they're not able to sign contracts for Farm Bill because they don't have clear title of the property that they may have been on for generations. So issues like that we're, we're uh, in favor of. We're, we have a true commitment to working working lands. Uh, technical assistance and conservation are the bedrock of what we do. So we're, we're always for that. And a, a, a principle that really matters to us is that an agricultural operation has to be economically feasible. And if it's not, if farmers aren't making money, they're not going to be signing up for conservation programs. They're not going to be doing the work that they need if they're not economically viable. So that's, that's something that, uh, is, really important to all of us. Uh, climate change is an issue that uh, everyone is talking about now. And, you know, in the in two farm bills ago, I don't know if it was even mentioned, and now it's going to be a major component of what we're talking about. Other principles are farm bill education, uh, streamlining and simplifying conservation programs and applications. And if this uh, influx of money actually does come from Inflation Reduction Act, that's going to be really important that we're able to get the prog- the people signed up and the applications through so we can put it on, put that work on the ground. Uh, the last two principles are forestry and along with that is wildfire. And if, if you've lived in the West or watched the TV, wildfires are terrifying and, and they are just bigger and earlier every year. And then our final approach is is new technologies, and, and NACD believes that working land conservation is not a static concept, but it's constantly changing and adapting, and we have to adapt new technologies and new tools on the farm to make sure that we are successful in what we do. So those are high-level principles, and as we go through this process, we're going to be talking about programs uh, like CSP or EQIP and where the funding is. We're going to talk to partners. We're going to talk to our friends on Capitol Hill and staffers and just see as we go through through the line where all those balls line up. And, you know, when you get down towards the end of the bill, then we're going to take real solid stands on, on those types of issues. Well, Michael Crowder, we want to thank you for your work of service uh, as an environmentalist as a steward of the soil and also as a leader of uh, fellow stewards across the country in the National Association of Conservation Districts. Thank you for being a part of this edition of Open Mic. Michael, it is Open Mic, and today you get the last word. Thank you, Jeff. First, I would just like 
to thank you and Spencer and Sarah and Hannah and the rest of your team. You do a wonderful job in keeping all of us up on ag and conservation, and and I listen to all of your work. And it's a true honor to serve as president for NACD, and I've, I've traveled all over the U.S. I've, I've been to five U.S. territories now, and I just love visiting with the producers going on to their farm tours and and having them be so excited they're showing you what they're doing for their farms and their cattle and, and their crop. We all want clean soil. We all want clean water. And, and it's just, just an honor to be able to meet this many people and represent all of our employees and supervisors across the nation. We have 3,000 districts and 17,000 supervisors in, in almost every state and county in the nation. And it's just an honor to be able to represent them and looking forward to the the next Farm Bill. Thank you very much. Our thanks to Michael Crowder, president of the National Association of Conservation Districts, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. Learn how a strong U.S. sugar policy supports a sustainable and efficient sugar supply chain at sugaralliance.org. For AgriPulse... I'm Jeff Downey.